Hey guys, welcome to our program, Small Town World, where we talk about world issues from a small town perspective through a biblical lens. Our aim is to spotlight Jesus Christ and spread the gospel while discussing relevant topics we all face day to day. Today we're talking about truth equals love. And we're going to discuss different Bible verses and we're going to go over um, what Satan I said falsehoods were being fed today by the world, and really were being fed those by the enemy. Wouldn't you agree? Yes. He is the father of lies. That's what scripture says. Right. So today we're going to discuss um, just um, all of the things that the Bible talks about truth, and we're going to discuss um, the what what we're being told. So we're going to quickly, I'm going to quickly list some of the things that we're being told in the world today that um, are so upsetting because they're just obvious, blatant lies. Right, and just, like you said, counter to everything that God's Word tells us. Yeah, even things that we know um, scientifically, that we know are not true. You know, um, uh, I feel like we're being told, you know, the sky's not blue anymore. Yeah. The sky's not blue anymore, and you just need to accept that and move on. And so um, some of those are... um, gender assignment um and i put pretending and to me it's such an insult to god because you're denying the sovereignty of god absolutely he gave you that body and you're made in his image and so um i told kayla before we started i don't want to set up camp on any one issue we're going to go over them pretty quickly but that's a huge issue that we're facing right now um that our children are even being indoctrinated that you can pick and assign your gender yeah and and um, we know that that's completely against God's word. Right. Uh, the false socialist moral code. They're the good guys, and they pretend to have the moral high ground. It's a fake sense of moral superiority. It's based on humanism, um, on political, social, cultural issues, but not so spiritual. For someone that doesn't know what humanism is, could you give just a, like a brief description of what you mean when you say a humanist? Yeah, so a humanist believes that um, t- most of the time they're atheist. They believe that there is no God, that the Bible is false. And some humanists believe that they actually possess godlike qualities or that they could even achieve godlike qualities here on earth. Well, they don't believe in heaven or hell, so they do believe that they could achieve that. That's where that elitist mentality comes, Absolutely. comes in. Absolutely. Right? Okay. Yes. Yes. And that makes me think of something that was in Time Magazine just this past week about the cabal of people that they said they fortified the election rather than stole the election. Oh, yes, Did I, you read that? Well, I, enough of it to No, I didn't want to read the rest of it. Enough of it to know that there's an elitist group of people yeah. who controlled everything. It said across industries and ideologies yeah. um, that they were a powerful cabal of people who fortified the election rather than stole right. the election. So semantics justifies... They're using semantics to justify what they believe or what they... Or what they did. What they did. Yeah, their behavior. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's so much to say, so we're going to move on. Okay. Christians should be ashamed for speaking the truth. Pointing out hypocrisy of the leftist agenda, speaking out for biblical truth makes a person racist or a bigot. So if you point out the truth, you can't say the truth in love because if you point it out, you know, you're immediately labeled. Right. A racist, a bigot. You should be ashamed for saying those things. The death penalty is wrong and abortion is right. We can't kill the murderers. 
but we can kill the innocent in the name of women's rights. Um, law enforcement is corrupt and evil. Criminals are justified in their criminality. Um, one of the scary ones that I put on the list is that the Bible is spreading hate speech and spreading misinformation. And spreading misinformation is a term they're using to describe the Bible. To describe the Bible. Yeah. Spreading misinformation. I've seen that several different times right. recently in different articles that have been written. And that, I, sh- I sent you the screenshot. Yes. On Twitter. Yes. Of a pastor. And it said this this message contains false or misleading information. Yes. So, yes. Uh, so one of the things that I, as you're, as you're saying that to me, I think what it sparks in me is that reminder that those of us who are Christ followers, who um, do believe that scripture is real, how much more important it is right now in this time to know what scripture says, to know what we believe, to know why we believe it, and to be able to stand up for it, not not in a haughty or an arrogant way, but with boldness and confidence that we, we know what we believe and we know why we believe it. Right. We talked about the fact that it's so important right now not to be judgmental. Yeah. So we're not saying the truth in a way of judgment, but we're saying the truth, and, and that was why um, we said truth equals love. Yes. Because, but you can speak the truth, and and we can't be ashamed to speak the truth. Um, we can't be shut down. Yeah. We can't let them shut down the truth of God's word. And there's a scripture that speaks about um, speaking the truth um, in love, but it also says with gentleness and meekness. And I think that's the place where we are speaking. When we say truth equals love, that's what we're talking about. Is that yes, there is a truth that we can stand on. There is that solid foundation. But I think the charge for the church today is figuring out, okay, how do we express truth? There is only one truth. There is, the truth is God and God is the truth and that's it. So how do we share truth in such a way that um, we aren't being judgmental? We aren't being um, labeled as haters. And so I think... That one of the easiest ways to do that, or I should say one of the most effective ways to do that, is in those one-on-one relationships. I think that is yeah. such an, a necessary part of our faith is that we are reaching one-on-one people. Um, yeah. And I thought about that because there is someone that I love that is a gay person, and I do care about her, genuinely care about her, and and love her, and want good things for her. And I would never want her to think that... I'm judging her. God wants her and God loves her, but God does not love her sin. And that's, and I think that's okay to say that, to openly say that. I think that the, another issue that the church faces is because we haven't always done that effectively. We, and and even today there are, there are pastors and, and whole churches that are, um, you hate to say filled with hate, but they are, they appear to be so angry yeah. in their defense of God's word. And, and it turns people off. Absolutely. And it makes people not want to hear what they have to say because of the, um, the animosity that seems to be in the word that they're sharing. So it isn't always that they're, they're wrong in what they're saying as far as whether it's truth or not as much as it is how they're approaching people or how people are being made to feel when the truth is expressed to them, that, that feeling of being judged. And the opposite is so true too. So that, so 
And we just have to be better as Christians because we can't, like we've talked about before already, we can't water down the truth. There right. are churches that are doing that right. to bring people in. So we can't water down the truth. But it isn't, like you said, it's how we say it. Yeah. That we I love, love that. them. I love that point that you just made. That That's so true because um, it, it's both sides of it's It's both extremes of that issue that give the church a very bad name. And we we should do better. We should I mean, do we better. We should be doing better as yeah. God's children. We should be doing better at helping people to understand that when we do share the truth, it is an expression of our love for them and for the God that we serve. Yeah. Um, we had several different points. Kayla pointed out that when she said truth equals love, it was the agape love, the selfless love. Yeah. And there were several different points that... Um, that she sent to me. Truth is an affront to the world. Real truth can be spoken in love and that we need to speak the truth unapologetically. And I put without regret, we don't go back and analyze what we said and think right. about it all night long and worry about it. We can speak the truth unapologetically as Christians. Um, and then um, I, I wrote a statement that said for people that, are out there that may be listening that are not a Christian just to think about what if, what if the Bible is true? Yeah. Yeah. What if? So you, you're sitting there thinking maybe it, it might be, maybe it's not. And you had told me a story about someone that you met in the airport. Remember? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So what if, just think about that. What if it is true? What have you lost by following by Christ? following Christ. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's a whole nother issue and we're not going to spend any time on it, but that is one of the lies that the enemy tells is that when you accept Christ, you're given up yes. your identity, you're giving up your freedom. And that's so opposite of it. It's in that accepting of Jesus that you find your true identity and that you find freedom and that you find freedom. Right. Right. So you had some scripture. Go over Yes. Those. And so another in, in speaking to that, First of all, Ephesians 4, 14 and 15, and I'm just going to read uh, a part of 15 that says, um, but speaking the truth in love till we may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. And to me, that is that is what we're talking about. And that that's the charge of the church is being able to speak the truth in love that we can grow in Christ. But to me, one of the necessary elements in that is that we have to remember who our enemy is because right now there's so much fighting in in every i mean my goodness within families within churches within the the world against the church i mean my goodness you can hardly have a conversation with anyone right that a fight isn't potentially going to take place. Yeah. And I think because of that, it, that we we forget who we're actually fighting against. And Ephesians 6:12 says for we do not wrestle flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness. And when we can remember that that's who and what we're fighting against right. and not each other, right. we are then able to express truth and love rather than feeling like I'm having to defend myself against another person. Rather, I, I want to see them free. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had a point, um, and you, I'm going to, I'm going to say this and you tell me biblically if this is 
Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You tell me if I'm right or not. So I put that we can't have unity as a nation. God's people can't unite with evil. Good can't exist with evil. It's un- it's an unrealistic goal. God can't unite with sin. He turns his back on sin. He hides his face from sin. The idea of true unity as a world will never happen. We can have peace. He, and he tells us to live peace- peaceably among men, but we can't unite and have yeah. unity. And I had a couple of different scripture about that, Habakkuk 1.3 and Isaiah 59.2. But is that, I, I wrote that down and I, I haven't talked with Kayla about that. So do you think that's biblically sound? I love that. I really do because um, I think that got, that can guide our prayer, right? Because, I mean, we could be united, but can you imagine what God would have to do, what would have to do? And I, I don't want to limit God because God can do anything, but that can that reality should be guiding our prayers. If we are praying that God unite us, what we're really praying is God bring the lost to Christ. Yeah. For us to be united as a nation, that's what it's going to take. That's what it's going to take. It's going to take the church being united. It's going to take people um, that are lost coming to Christ. That's that's where the unity is going to come. And then in my notes, I also wrote um, pray for revival because that. Revival, bringing people in, um, the lost come into Christ, and that's the whole point of what we're doing right, right now. Is you know, it takes all of all of us being that little bitty spark. Yes, bloom where you're planted. Right. Speak up where you are. Talk. Right. To use the, your voice where you're at. Use yes. your voice where you're at, and and bring people in, draw people in to Him, and all of those tiny little sparks might ignite a flame of revival nationwide. But but until that happens, we can't. We can't be united as a nation or a world. Right. Yeah. One of the other points that we talked about was knowing the truth so that we can speak the truth. If you, if I am trying to share the gospel with someone, if I am trying to speak truth to someone in love and I don't know what the truth is, then I'm stumbling over what I think or I'm giving my opinion or I'm not representing Christ well. Yeah. And the reality is, is that we have to know what we believe. We have to know what truth is so that we can then share. Now, the level at which we know that truth, it may be what, you know, I remember back when we were learning how to give our testimony when I was young in the faith and um, thinking, I don't know enough to tell somebody. And um, a pastor told me, you can tell what God has done for you. Yeah. Starting there, you can tell God, tell someone what God has done for you. But when we're talking about truly leading people into truth, we have to know that truth ourselves to yeah. be able to lead people in that so that we can recognize the lie. So that when we do read the headline, when we do read the article, when we do see the commercial, we can say that does not line up with what I know to be true in God's word. In God's word. So important to go back to what we talked about last week with the essentials, knowing those scripture. And I've been trying to memorize scripture for that very reason so yeah. that if somebody can come comes to me. Um, or comes back to me based on what they heard, maybe right. I could answer those, even if I'm not at a place where I have a, my phone available with the Bible app, or right. I have, you know, a Bible available where I could, but right. scripture memorization, that's been on my And you know, heart. the struggle I think too for, for us regular people is that we think because we don't know enough, we can't lead someone to Christ. And that's a trap too, because yeah. 
if if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you, you have enough to tell somebody what God has done for you. Yeah. But I think that sometimes we we don't grow from that place. I guess is what I'm saying. So, if if you find yourself in that place where all you know is that God saved you, and all you know is that Jesus washed your sins away, okay, start today learning truth and growing in that so that, like you said, if someone comes to you, you can give them a little bit more the next time or a little bit more the next time. And so that we just never stop growing and never stop pursuing. Um, that's why the Bible is a lifelong endeavor. Yeah. You don't pick up the Bible and in a year know it. It's because it's living. And, and, and it's changing. And it, it's different each time you read a verse. You read a verse five years later, it, it says something completely different to yeah, you. Yeah, it speaks to you where you are. It's that yeah. living nature of um, the Word of God. And yeah. so we'll, we'll always be studying God's Word. Always, right. We will never exhaust Scripture. Yeah. But to know and know and know and know, that's our, that's our heart, right? Yes, so we know absolutely. Um, I had another point that, um, well, I had wrote that Satan is the father of lies. I had wrote down John eight forty four. I'm sure you had said that too. Actually, I don't think I have that scripture. What does it say? He was a murderer from the beginning. Mm. He does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. He speaks a lie. He speaks from his own resources for he is a liar and the father of it. So that's the Satan is the father of lies right. verse. Yeah. And the beauty is that what I wrote is Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said and will he not do? Or has he spoken and will he not make it good? And then Titus 1, 2 says, In hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. The reality that Satan is a liar and God can't lie. I and mean, God can't lie. that's yeah. just, there's an... How else do you say? How else do you say it? Yeah. And then another scripture that goes along with him, with Satan being the liar, is that in First John it says, "Who is a liar? But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ." Yes, that's one way to know that someone is not speaking truth. Right. Are they denying that Jesus is the Christ? Right. That is. That's a. That's a red flag. Okay, that person's a liar that person's I mean, a liar yeah. yeah and that particular passage is talking about the antichrist and the spirit of the antichrist that's already at work you know yeah so all of the things that i read that we're facing um socially and politically and culturally um that are so like we said in a front um you know they're just they're just lies yeah and we know their lies and we recognize their lies do we feel like people on the outside see see the lies do they know in their heart or are they really deceived i think they're absolutely deceived yeah i think they are absolutely deceived because um somewhere in my notes i wrote about um being dull of hearing and and he was actually speaking of the church and so i think there are people within the the church that are deceived yeah because they have allowed um the world to just invade their uh, morality and their spirituality to the point that they can't hear truth when it's presented to them. And then I think that just we were talking about the affront a moment ago and um, scripture says, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And so there are other scriptures that speak to that, that deception and our, and, 
and eyes being blinded to, to being able to understand truth. But the reality is, is when they hear truth, it sounds ridiculous to them. Yeah. It sounds like the most backward hate, just like you said, the world is labeling God's word. And that's not new. You know, it, it's new to us in the United States, but that label's not new. Right. That that God's word would be filled with hate or that it would be um, outdated or inconsistent or, you know, all the accusations that... Bigotry. Yeah, all the accusations that are being made against it right now. Those aren't new accusations. Um, they've just been recycled and refreshed and re- reworded and, yeah. you know. And they're, new, and they're new to us in the Bible Belt. They're yes, new to us in small town us. America. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that those things are coming at us yeah. here. And I think the reality that so many more are believing that now, I think that's what makes it so mm-hmm. scary and break heartbreaking because we realize there are just so many, many, many more people that are believing that. And Yeah. So for us to be able to counter that in, a, in an everyday situation um, goes back to just knowing that scripture yeah. and knowing God's word and being able to come at it from that place but then then I think about the verse that says don't throw your pearls before swine yeah. so even when we do say things and I'm thinking about people that I encounter on a daily basis that um and I don't want to say too much but anyway people that I encounter on a daily basis that maybe I'm uh, at at my job and working with or yeah. or having to work with that I meet that um have well, rejected God's word. You're, yes. you're speaking of people I'm, that have openly rejected. I know you're trying to guard your. I am your trying words to guard my words. Yeah. yeah, but I, but I know what you're saying. You're talking about people that you've encountered that you know have already rejected truth. They've already rejected it, and so they see something um, about me, or they see something in my life that maybe lets them know where I stand. Yes, on an issue, and so um, there's immediately a, a guard up. There's immediately a wall up. There's I can just tell that there's tension, immediate yeah. tension just upon meeting those people. And so to reach those people, I guess, I don't know. I think that's the love part. I think that's the that's that's where the love comes in. Uh, I, I wrote a quote. It's a, by an unknown author, but it says, the world doesn't want to be saved. It wants to be loved. And I think that until people know that they're loved, they can't always hear the truth that God wants their souls, that he wants to save them. He wants to rescue them and free them. They can't hear that until they know that they're loved by us. And so I think that in those times, it's in those expressions of love. And and sometimes that's just being kind. Sometimes that's um, the verse that that we spoke about earlier about speaking with the gentleness and meekness. And, um, you know, when we get angry with someone, when they don't believe like we believe, why, yeah. What what about that would make them want to then say, oh, you're right. Yeah, they're not going to all of a sudden say, oh, well, yeah, you must be right. Right. No, they're just going to argue all the more. Right. But when they see the truth in action in us, when they see the truth literally at work in us, that's when people's eyes are opened. It's when um, a scripture that I read today talked about um don't love in in word, but in deed and in truth. And I yeah. thought that was so funny that it made the distinction between words and truth. Yeah. And that we can love in truth um, by speaking truth, but we can also love in truth by living the truth. Yes. 
Yeah, that makes me think of the verse about if your if your spouse is not saved, it's you know it's not that you don't um, continue in words that you can show your actions yes. and that your spouse could be won over by your actions. Yes. Not your words. And I yeah. think that that same truth applies, applies. to all our relationships. That, yeah. you know, I've had this conversation with several people that you can't argue someone into salvation. It seems like they're so angry, the other side. Yes. The other side is so angry. And, you know, we're we're not angry. Right. <laughs> but I, you say that, but I have people in my life who love Jesus with all their heart, and they're mad. Well, that too. Yeah, that's they're true. They're mad because... Because they sit, they're they're so enraged by what we're talking about, yeah. it just makes them so mad that people would be so blinded, and so when they do address an issue with someone, it often comes off as very argumentative, very defensive. Yeah. Well, there therefore the argument ensues because yeah, then everybody's angry. <laughs> Right. You know, and like we talked about before, we've discussed it before. That's just not a way to reach people. We right. can't reach people that we're not going to reach people. We're not going to reach people that way. It's got to We wish come. we could. We wish we could speak and say, you're wrong and this is the truth, but it just doesn't work that way. And, and it's got to come from a place of love. Right. Um, I put Jesus speaks the truth. Um, in John eight thirty one thirty two, 32, if you abide in my word, you're my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And, um, I put the Bible shows a magnifying glass whereby the truth is visible. Mm. Yeah. I, I wrote one of the ways that I study. It's just how I work is I write down questions and then I look to see what the answer in God's word. That's just, yeah. I've just always done that. And, um, one of the, I wrote down three questions, and one of them was, how is truth evidence of God's love? And so if someone is wanting to know, why would I why would I want this God? Why would this be a God that I would worship? And um, there's so many reasons for me, but several of the things that it speaks about is the guard that we have when we accept His truth, that we are guarded and protected by truth. And we, one of the scriptures speaks about God's wings being covered under mm. God's wings. And I love that beautiful love that picture of him just um, cuddling us up next to him in protection. But it says that truth is God's covering. That's, yeah. it's, it's his truth that does that for us. And um, if, if you were really interested in just getting a bigger picture about the, um, the magnitude of God's truth, Psalm 119 is a beautiful place to see um, just the power of God's word and the majesty of it and and how evident it is that God loves us by giving us his word. And I, I don't know, sometime last year I sat down and just read it out loud by myself and I was just overwhelmed by the reality of what the word of God really is to us. And, and when we can see the gift that it is, um, then we want to share it in love. Yeah. We want to make sure other people know. We want to see people walking in freedom. Yes. Instead of that angry because they don't understand it or accept it. You know, we we are then right. we are burdened with the heart that wants to see the lost come to Christ. Yeah. And rather than fighting because they don't believe, you know. Yeah. 
I know. And, and I'm convicted about that because I'm thinking back to those specific situations, especially just one specific situation where someone uh, saw a license plate and was so angry and and I didn't, I just wanted to get away from that person instead of talking to that person yeah. in a loving way. I just wanted to escape from that person. So I'm convicted about that. Yeah. I'm uh, just knowing how to handle those everyday situations right. because we're in, we're going to encounter them and we're going to encounter, encounter them more and more. More and more. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> and we, you know, you want to say the right thing, but it's often in hindsight when we look back and think, oh, I should have said that, isn't it? Yeah. And that's that goes back to that speaking the truth unapologetically. That's yeah. where I put the without regret. I don't I don't want to be in a place of regret. I want to be right. able to say things in a loving way, to be kind to people and and hopefully plant a seed for Jesus. Right. You know, those everyday small little seeds that we can plant and and then um and then go back without regret. Right. That I've said the right thing, that I've done the right thing, that I've pleased my God, um, that maybe I did do something that day for Jesus. Right. Several scriptures speaking about truth speak of the spirit of truth. And I think it is in that spirit of truth that we can be led by the spirit to then speak truth yeah. <laughs> in that way yeah. that um, does demonstrate love. And, and like you said, then then be able to, to not regret either not saying the right thing or saying it in a way that might not have ministered to the need that they had in the moment, you know? Right. Right. So what are we going to talk about? Um, what are we going to talk about next week? So we talked about uh, freedom. I, th- I think that, f- and I think that this is a great place that's going to lead into that. It's going to lead into that discussion really well because without truth, there is no freedom yeah. and any um, semblance of freedom is, probably inaccurate if it, if it isn't founded on truth. And so um, that's going to be the place where we, sp- where we begin next week is, and maybe even just touch back on a few of these points as we talk about not only freedoms as in our faith, but also freedoms in our country. Yeah. One, one of the, one of the times soon um, that we, that we, one of the programs that we do in the future soon, I, I would like to go back and maybe expound on some of those that we did discuss the, the gender assignment, um, uh, the abortion issue. There's there's so many right. things happening right now, socially and culturally, socially that, and culturally that um, that we could just spend a long time on. a long time <laughs> on. We could spend the whole we could spend the whole time on, and I would love to do that. Yeah, I want to address some of those things in the future too. So, yeah. um, and know what God says about them. Yeah, um, you had given me the title for next week, and it said God is a God of freedom. Um, and um, so I'm excited to Yeah, I'm excited to go about back. that too. Yes, and study that and learn and, and know why he is giving us the freedom and how we can right. use it day to day. And knowing him rightly so that we can then walk in that freedom. Yeah. Well, thank you all for listening and thank you all for joining us this week. And we'll see you all again next week.